0: Hey, if you have your Bible or iPad or iPhone or you're welcome to look at the screen today, I'm in this series called Soul Rest and we're gonna talk about today right thinking. I'm going back to our time together uh, previously with the study of Elijah as you you look into uh, James chapter five. um, James chapter five verses sixteen and eighteen. This is in the Passion translation. Uh, I just want to bring to your attention this life of Elijah and the unusualness of it. To me, is one of the most interesting men in the Bible. Of course, Jesus is the most fascinating man in the Bible, but Elijah in the Old Testament just captivates. What I want to talk about today in a beautiful way. In James chapter five verses sixteen and eighteen in the Passion translation, uh, I want to share with you what that says. If They get that, or I can get that on my phone real quickly. It talks about Elijah being a... here it is. It says, Elijah, in verse number 17, the Passion, says, Elijah was a man with human frailties, just like us all, but he prayed and received supernatural answers. He actually shut the heavens over the land so that there was no rain for three and a half years. Then he prayed again, and the skies opened up over the land so there were rain that came again and produced the harvest. In verse 17, again, says, Elijah was a man with human frailties, just like us all. Well, he was that in an essence, but he was also a man of supernatural ministries we're going to discover here in 1 Kings chapter 19, going back to chapters to verse, to verse chapter 17, verse 1. I'm just going to give you a quick, brief synopsis of his life because his life is fascinating to me. He is Elijah the Tishbite as it starts in chapter 17, verse 1. Not a lot is known about his life before he enters into being a prophet, but it says here that he goes to King Ahab, who was a king basically 100 years after King David. He was the most evil king that's ever ruled in the nation of Israel's history, King Ahab and his queen, Jezebel. And so Elijah is, goes as a prophet to the Lord in chapter 17. Again, I encourage you to read these three chapters, 17, 18, and 19. Fascinating man. And we're gonna see even closer into his life in the next just the next couple of minutes of what who he, who he is and what he was. But he goes to King Ahab, and because of them worshiping this false god, Baal, he says, it's not gonna rain for three and a half years. And guess what, ladies and gentlemen? It does not rain. And uh, God, though, in the midst of all this, sustains him with bread with uh, bread and water and meat from ravens and from a local brook. And um, in chapter 17, of course, is the beautiful story about his relationship with this widow, how he asks her to, you know, take care of him as he takes care of them and her, of her and her husband, her and her son, excuse me. And then, of course, here is an instance where he prays and actually raises her son from the dead, in chapter seventeen. I mean, the power of God through prayer is clearly seen in the life of Elijah. In the life of Elijah, as a matter of fact, it's funny. She, said, <laughs> I like this. What she says at the end of chapter seventeen, verse twenty-four. After she, after he raises her son from the dead, even though you know she came from a place of poverty, she gets in a place of abundance because of what happened. You got to read it but anyway. I love what she says. I know that you're a man of God, and that the word of the Lord is in your mouth is. Truth. I just love that phrase. I know that you're a man of God. I hope that's said of every man of this church family. I know that you are a man of God. And then, chapter 18, of course, it picks up where he goes into again the same situation where he confronts the king. And this is what he does. It's so awesome in chapter 18. He uh, says, Listen, all right, we're going to prove that God is God and God is Lord. And uh, this is what I'm going to do. You line up your 450 prophets, uh, Queen Jezebel. I'm going to line up myself. We're going to build two altars and we're Going to do two sacrifices, and you're going to call out to the to your God. I'm going to call out to my God, and whoever answers by fire is the one we're going to serve. And so I think it's hilarious. He builds this. They build these two uh, areas, and uh, he instructs his people to not only put wo- put stones on their sacrifice, but he pours water around this trench and soaks his sacrifice. And then the next thing he does is he lets them go first, and they start calling out, crying out to Baal, which is actually the God of fire. Isn't this funny? And then he begins to mock them. As they're crying out and crying out and nothing happens, he says, well, maybe he's sleeping. One translation says maybe he's going to use the bathroom. <laughs> he is just poking fun at them, and you know, they're beginning to cut themselves, and all of a sudden, he just says, hey, stand back. I'm going to show you whose God is God. I'm going to show you that the Lord is Lord. He calls down fire, and the fire just consumes the sacrifice, and he evaporates all the water, and the people cried out and said, Elijah's God is God. Isn't that awesome? Well, anyway, that's just what happens in chapter 18, just a normal day in the normal life of a man of God. Isn't that awesome? I know some of you say, Pastor Brian, I would like to call fire down on people in my life. Okay, hold on now, time out. That's not what that story's about. All right, moving right Right along. So, <laughs> anyway, that's what happens at Mount Carmel. In chapter 19 is where I want to pick up. Well, at the end of chapter 18 is where he actually runs, he outruns the king's chariot back to Jezreel, where he says and proclaims that it's not going to rain, that it's going to start raining again. And I think this is so funny. He actually tells the king this. And then he actually outruns the king's chariots. I'll tell you what, this man was just a fascinating figure, you know? You talk about having an uncle, crazy uncle. Man, can you imagine having an uncle named Elijah that does stuff like this? What, a, what, a, what an awesome situation. Anyway, but it, p- chapter 19, verse 1 is where I want to pick up. Because I want you to understand how this man goes from one scenario to the next. And just like you and I, he deals with things that are very similar to what we deal with today. Chapter 19, verse 1 one and it says, Ahab told Jezebel, this is Queen Jezebel, that Elijah had done, all that Elijah had done and how that he had executed the prophets by the sword. Now again, let me make note, he killed all 450 of those prophets by himself. And I, and you know, I'm glad that he did because somebody needs to make a stand sometimes. And he made a stand because they were sacrificing children to this false god. They were killing people in the name of what they believed was right. Does that sound familiar today? And uh, I just think it's just, I think it's so awesome and bold of this man. You said, well, man, God's not in the killing business. I know that was under the Old Testament. I just think it's interesting, the dynamic there and the kind of man that Elijah was. But anyway, moving right along, uh, chapter 19, verse 2, and Jezebel sends this message to Elijah saying, so let the gods, notice this is in a little g, let the gods do to me and more also that I do, that I, if I do not make your life as the life of those talking about these prophets he killed by tomorrow, about this time. She's, so she's sending this message. She wants to kill him. In verse number three, he says, and when he saw that note, he arose and ran for his life and went to Beersheba and which belongs to Judea. And he left his servant there. So something's happening with him. Look what it says in verse four. And he, he by himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came down and sat under a broom tree, which is a tree that extends like that has the shade underneath it. And notice in verse 4 and he prayed that he might die and he said these words. Listen to this. He says, is it not enough now Lord? Take my life. I am no better than my father's. Then he laid down and he slept under this tree. But then suddenly an angel touched him and said to him, arise and eat. He looked at and there by the, his head was a cake baked on the coals a jar of water. He ate and he drank and then he went back to sleep. <laughs> so So notice what's happening here with this man of God. Okay, watch what's happening here. He laid back down to sleep, and then the angel of the Lord came back the second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, because the journey is too great for you. So he arose and he ate and he drank, and he went in the strength of that food for 40 days. That is a true Scooby snack, is it not? I'm telling you what, I mean, that's pretty awesome. You think Chick-fil-A's awesome. What about that, to eat something and go 40 days and 40 nights as far as Horeb, the Mount of God, In verse number nine, he went into this cave. He spent the night in this place. And notice what happens. And the word of the Lord came to him and said, "'What are you doing here, Elijah?' And this is what he said, I have been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts, as for the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars, and killed your prophets with a sword. I, am, uh, I alone am left, and they seek to take my life. Well, ladies and gentlemen, what's going on here? I, what's, what's the main thing that's happening here? Bless his heart, Elijah is doing what most people would call isolating himself or getting himself into a place of discouragement and depression. You know, it's dangerous to isolate yourself from others. It is not healthy. Isolation always brings two things. It leads to self-pity, and it leads to not understanding your identity and a sense of identity questions, and that's what's happening here. Elijah was exhausted. Elijah was disillusioned, and his perspective was completely disoriented. He went from doing all that he did and seeing the supernatural hand of God upon his life in all these areas to the point where he's losing his perspective, losing to the fact of who he is in the Lord and who God is to him and these supernatural things that happen. You know, ladies and gentlemen, supernatural things are not necessarily what God wants to always do in your life. It's the intimacy. It's the knowing that he is God. Nothing wrong with the supernatural. So depression wants to isolate individuals, especially us as believers, from others and from the Lord. Depression also has many emotional triggers, number two. And some of those are grief, which is the experience of loss helplessness, which means you're powerless and out of control, Uh, disappointment, of course life's failures can bring these kind of things to your life, a loss of purpose, which means an unneeded and unwanted sense of of thinking, and you're to the place where, you know, I've just lost my identity, I don't know who I am or what I should be doing, and I think the thing with Elijah, in my opinion, is he had more faith in Jezebel than he actually had in faith in God at this point in his life. You say, but Pastor Brian, he did all these supernatural things things he prayed and God responded yes he did but he lost that identity and I think he's entering into self-pity you know listen to me victory in one battle doesn't mean that the war is over Hear me again, victory in in, in one battle you're going through does not mean that this war is ended. And Elijah, of course, it's easy for us to understand that on the perspective we are and in and looking at his life, but I got to tell you this, you got to come to that place just like Elijah eventually did where you're not knowing that you're not in this by yourself. Let's look at verse number nine or pick up back there and I'll show you some things here about us never being alone. Notice what it says here clearly in verse number 10. Well, Well, hold on, let's just pick up in verse 11. It says, then this, and then he said, go out, this is the Lord speaking to him, go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, watch this now, this is verse 11. And behold, the Lord passed by with a great and strong wind, tore the mountains and broke the rocks into pieces before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And then verse 12, it says, and there was an earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, notice this, there was a still, small voice. What does that mean, Pastor Brian? That means sometimes God is not always into the supernatural. He's not always into this physical manifestation. Can he do that? Yes, he did that powerfully in Elijah's life. He's done that powerfully in your life. But sometimes it's that voice of intimacy, that voice of communication. And like in my marriage situation with Sheila, I appreciate all that she does for me physically. But most importantly, the thing that's the health to our relationship is one thing. That is communication, the intimacy of understanding, the intimacy... of understanding what she needs versus what I need. How can I help her versus how can she help me? That all comes by communication. That comes by intimacy, not just by physical acts. And it's the same with our relationship with the Lord. And the Lord's proving to him, hey, it's a voice that you need to hear, and it's my voice. And I don't need to speak to you loud. I want to speak to you inwardly. Or he's saying, I don't just want to speak to you on the outside, I want to speak to you on the inside. And so many times people shut down and shut away that voice. God is continually speaking. I look back in my own life before I became a Christian, and I could tell those times the Holy Spirit was whispering to me, drawing me. Even though I was pushing him away, even though I wanted to be a professional musician, I was consumed with it. But there was that voice that was drawing to me. And finally, on October the 16th, I submitted to that voice. And, you know, even as a believer, sometimes we can be so busy doing this and doing that, and life's demands that we sometimes shut the voice of God. We isolate ourselves ourselves we get into self-pity we lose our identity and guess what happens we're listening to the wrong voice and notice what it says here as i continue on in verse 13 so it was when elijah heard it he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave and suddenly a voice came to him and said what what are you doing here elijah and you know what sometimes god says that to you if you would listen he's asking you what are you doing how are you responding? Are you standing there letting the news dictate to your life? Anyway, I'm going to get to that in just a minute. And I don't want to be preaching, but some, anyway, I better move on because I will start preaching with that. That is, I mean, God is asking that question of all of us continually. What are you doing? What are you doing here? What are you doing in that type of thinking? What are you doing letting that I, uh, dictate to your life? Oh, I can tell you, it gets really good here. And that's what Elijah says. He begins to argue with Lord. He said, I've been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts because the children the Children of Israel have forsaken your covenant and tore down your altars and killed your people with a sword. And I alone am left and they seek to take my life. Now, why, why would you say that when you kill 450 people all by yourself and you're scared of one woman? <laughs> Think about it. Why would you say that, that, you know, I alone am left? No, you're not, because it goes on to show you, and it goes down to verse 18. And again, for the sake of time, we can't read all this. But God said to him, there are seven, notice what he says here. There are, <clears throat> excuse me, there are 7,000. Everybody say 7,000. There are 7,000 other believers that are with you, Elijah, 7,000, and guess what, ladies and gentlemen, there's 7,000 more of us There are churches all across this nation right now, pastors and preachers and teachers and evangelists, apostles, prophets that are standing up today just like I'm doing, and they're proclaiming the name of Jesus, and we thank God for them. We're not in competition. I rode around our city earlier this morning praying over churches and talking to pastors in prayer and saying, hey, I'm not your competitor, I'm your completer. I want to complete you. There are thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of people today that are not attending a church anywhere. That's our harvest field. We don't need to take from another church. We don't need to transfer to another church. I mean, if God moves somebody, that's fine. But that rarely, 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 rarely ever is the condition. It's about reaching people that don't know Jesus Christ. And that's where I want to be. And Elijah, bless his heart, he gets into self-pity. But listen to me. Listen and hear me good. The quieter you become, the more you can hear. The quieter you become in your spirit, the more you can hear the voice of God telling you and encouraging you that you're not alone. Rest in knowing that he is with you. The Bible says clearly in the Old Testament as well as in the New Testament in Hebrews thirteen five that he would never leave you nor forsake you. He'll never leave you, never forsake you. Doesn't matter what happens in your life, He will never leave you nor forsake you as a believer. Now, listen, you got to hear me now. People that don't know Him, they don't belong to Him, and if they don't belong to Him, He can't. Leave, he's not with them, right? Think about it. We we look at a lot of people. Tragedy comes to them, I hate it, but at the same time, they don't belong to Jesus Christ. You only belong to Jesus when you receive him into your heart and life as your Lord and Savior. And we have to open our eyes to that. Open your eyes to see that we as a church family, we can help one another. We should encourage one another. All the events that are taking place in the next couple of weeks from our, well, this specifically this weekend, we have our men's breakfast. Saturday mornings from 8.30 to 9.30, just this Saturday only, we're endeavoring to encourage and empower and equip men. Sheila, just this past week, had the ladies Bible study. Same principle. Equipping, empowering and encouraging. And together experiencing the beauty of the family of God because we need one another we need each other we're not designed to be alone you're not designed to fight these battles by yourself that's the beautiful thing in marriage in my opinion I thank God for a partner and faith covenant partner more than what she can do for me is who we are together as one unit that's the beauty of marriage and I just wanted to tell you, I just feel like that what, what God is telling Elijah and the angel said several times, it's time to get up and it's time to go. The one thing that Satan wants you to do and the one thing your enemy wants you to do is to lay down and be indecisive and be indecision and be woe is me and feed your actual fear off all that's going on. Well, thank God for technology. People are watching us right now. Thank God that you can watch good news like the Victory News Channel that's sponsored by K. Of Culpa Ministries that brings news in a clear, concise, but in a faith-based manner instead of a fear manner. I mean, you could do what I do and watch that because friends of mine are doing that broadcast, so I'm endeavoring to support them. But then there's also other outlets where you can get your news. You don't have to feed on all that fear. Because let me tell you something. Let's go to 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 12. And I want to share this with you real quickly. First Timothy chapter 6, verse 12. This will help you as you're fighting the good fight of faith. Because we have to forgive, we have to forget, and we have to focus board. And this is a fight of faith. 2 Timothy, I'm sorry, 1 Timothy chapter 6 verse 12. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 12, and look at this, and uh, Shelby, if you'll get that mic and get ready to join me here, she's got very, something very special she wants to share. It says in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 12, it says what? Fight the good fight of faith, lay hold on eternal life to which you were also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Notice what it says there. It says fight the good fight of faith. And ladies and gentlemen, that's what you and I are fighting. We're fighting the good fight of faith. What does it mean by good fight, Pastor Brian? That's the means, the fight that you win. (laughs) We win because the fight's already been determined. We have the victory in the Lord. And you say, well, Pastor Brian, life is this and life is that to me. I can't be like Elijah. I'm not asking you to be Elijah. I'm asking you to be me. But like Shelby, for instance, who's coming to share her testimony, Shelby and Dave have been through a lot of transition. They have been through a lot of things as a couple. I mean, they have experienced experienced the, the process of moving from this part of town to the other part of town and building their own house. They have three beautiful children. They have a lot of transition going on, and they have young children. Everybody say young. What does that mean when they say when somebody says they have young? That means one word, busy, busy. <laughs> <laughs> and that's another four letter word, and I'm not talking about I'm not, I'm not talking about what you're thinking. I'm talking about W R K work, is it not? But how, Shelby, how did you and Dave specifically you as a woman How did you deal with all the things that came in your mind? And you were in the hospital during the midst of all this, not for COVID, but for other things. But you had to deal with all this and all these things that were coming to your mind. You got these three young children. You got a husband. You were of course wanting to see his job secure through the middle of all that was going on last year. the fact that y'all are selling a house and actually building a house. You didn't buy it, you built it. And so how did you deal with it? And just share with you, share with us, excuse me, how God led you through this. Again, I'm not comparing you to Elijah, you're Shelby. And uh, but how did you experience, because I've seen you on top and I've seen you have to deal with other things. And so Share your heart with us right now. Go ahead.
1: Yeah, um, what Pastor said I d- think is very, very important. That just because you um, win a battle doesn't mean that the war is over, and uh, any there's going to be situations in life where. Uh, The bottom of that right there, rest, (laughs) is not easy. But yet God calls all of us to do that. He calls us to be at rest. He wants us to prosper. And when we think of prosperity, we often just think of having a good job or a good monthly income, a nice house. But that's not what he's talking about. That's included, but that's not the whole picture of what he's talking about. He wants us to prosper in our soul. That's spirit, soul, and body. So he wants us to be prosperous. Prosperous in our soul. Right. And we can't have soul prosperity when we're burning the candle at both ends yes. and not having a sleep, and we're, you know, exhausted and tired and worn out, mm-hmm. and we're not taking the time with our Father God right. to yeah. get that rest because it's a supernatural right. rest. You know, and, uh, throughout this time, um, that David and I went through, me being in the hospital, us by our house. It was all very difficult. It was presenting difficulty even in my <laughs> own body, the stress that we were under. But um, in Isaiah 40, we see here that God says, do you not know, have you not heard? Mm-hmm. The Lord is an everlasting God, the creator to the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired and he will not grow weary His understanding no one can fathom. And he gives strength to the weary. He increases power to the weak. Even the youth grow tired and weary. Even my kids, they were getting, you know, exhausted. (laughs) Just um, shout out to my little Don at home. He wasn't feeling good today, so David is home with him. But... Uh, even kids get exhausted. I had three kids start school this week mm-hmm. and there were tears by six o'clock every night. <laughs> I mean, the wails of children are being exhausted. So even kids grow weary. Young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord, right. those who wait on Him, mm-hmm. He will renew their strength. He will. You will soar on wings like eagles. You will run and not grow weary. And you will walk and not faint. So just because you're in the midst of another battle, it doesn't mean that God's forsaken you. It doesn't mean we so often get in this frame of mind of, well, what have I done? Or I've backslidden or whatever. No, we live in a world where there's trials and tribulations. It's promised to us. It's a guarantee. You are gonna go through poop in life. (laughs) You are going to tread through it. The other morning, uh, Thursday morning, I woke up. I went to go check up on little Don, and I stepped right in a pile of throw-up that he left me, squishy in between my toes. I mean, and it was cold. Thankfully, it wasn't warm. I don't know. I might have added to the pile if it was warm. Uh, But... You know what, we go through things in life. It's that's not right. always a walk in the park. Being a believer doesn't exempt you from anxiety right. and worry and depression. These are very real things. Yeah. I went through a time of a lot of anxiety, through depression. I've been through points in time where I was suicidal. And that's those things are not from God, no, but they not. were circumstances to what was going on internally mm-hmm. and what was going on in my life. and. Finding soul rest, Absolutely. finding over in, um, over in Ephesians, yes. it talks about that we are seated in him in heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that the coming of the age, we might be shown his in- comparable, mm. incomparable That's riches right. of his grace expressed through his kindness. You have been saved through faith, not of yourselves, but it is a gift of God, not by works. And getting the revelation of that, knowing that I'm seated in Him no matter what, I'm seated in Christ Jesus in heavenly places. When I get into a time where I'm out of rest and I'm feeling it, I picture myself Mm. in a heavenly place, Mm. seated there at the right hand of the Father in heavenly places. And that it is not by works that no, I am saved, not. but it is out of the richness yes. of his kindness and his grace that I was saved n- from myself,
0: that's right, from
1: my problems, from, from my worry, from my anxiety. Because those things were not from him. Mm-hmm. They're not of him. I remember when I was a little kid, and I was a camp counselor at a camp, and um, we were there, and this one kid was at the top of the zip line, and he was terrified to go down the zip line. And all of us camp counselors were like, come on, you can do it, you can do it. And then one guy finally yells up to him, he says, hey, what's the worst that can happen? And the kid's like, I could fall. He's like, no, you could die. And the kid's like, <laughs> and he says, and you'd be with Jesus, so what's what's the What's there to be afraid of? The kid just jumped off. <laughs> he was oh like, my gosh. the worst that could happen is I could die. I'd be with the father. Mm. So often we let the fear just circle around in our mind That's and true. circle and we circle and that. circle. Instead of just saying, what's the worst that could happen? All right, Jesus can take care of that. Mm. He's got that handled too. Yes. Even even in my sin, that song said, even in my sin, yes, even then, his blood was shed sure. for oh, me. me. And that brings so much victory it and does, so Shelby. much peace in our lives. It
0: does. Well, Shelby, thank you. Um, well, quick question, though. As you're going forward and you know your kids are at that age and going to school and the transition, you and Dave, of course, endeavoring to obey the call of God on your life, but we deeply appreciate your faithfulness and commitment here. I mean, I, I know that you're a student of the Word of God in prayer, but is there anything that you would say is other than... How would you tell people to have a better relationship with the Lord, a more growing relationship with the Lord? Because, you know, Shelby, I step back and I watch you in a day and especially the post uh, on Facebook. And As a matter of fact, that's the reason where I get to monitor where a lot of people are. I can tell on Facebook what's going on in your life. And I, and I rejoice in it, but I, yeah, you're busy. You know, I didn't know about the throw-up, but I've seen other, other, other things that are happening in your life. And, you know, and, and, and by the way, I stopped and prayed for you because I thought, you know, these kids have been with you and now they're going to leave the house. And, you know, what is that like? So, I mean, how would you encourage people, again, with all this happening for you and Dave, and how are you dealing with it? How, how would you encourage someone in their relationship with the Lord? What is you as a woman, not as just a wife and a mother, but what is you as a woman? What are you doing to, to empower yourself to get into this place of rest? And I know you haven't arrived, neither have I, and Elijah apparently didn't, but you know, again, Elijah got there. We don't know the rest of the story, but I, I know more than well that he did arrive because God loves us, he's faithful. I love what one pastor said to me years ago, it changed my life, changed my life. And it's actually in reference to what we're talking about, he said there's, there's grace for every place. Talking about in the Lord, there's grace for, to handle it, there's grace to do it. Maybe I'm answering the question for you. Yeah, so. I think that, that
1: <laughs> sums it up. I mean, far above being a man or a woman or a Greek or a Gentile or that's a Jew, right. whatever it is, is when we lean into Him, Amen. that's where we can find that Absolutely. rest. That's where we can find His peace. And we all lean into Him differently. I definitely encourage you to read the Word, I definitely encourage you to worship. But I know that my dad, he'll go out hunting in the woods and he'll sit in a tree in the quiet. and he really gleans from the Lord in that place Mm -hmm. you know we all have different places we know Richard he he likes to mow people's grass and he has time in the Lord he's welcome to come to my house anytime (laughs) we got some things that need to be fixed and David and I we don't know how to do any of that we can barely hang a picture we use command strips stick it (laughs) Um, but how you rest in him is just leaning into him trust truly having trust and confidence and true trust and confidence isn't laying something down before him and then going and picking it back up. And that's what's been the most empowering for me is literally laying it down leaving it to him that's and right. not picking it back up. Because just, the moment I pick it back up,
0: you, you take it back.
1: You just, you get back into I that place of worry. I want to talk about that
0: maybe next week or share more about that. Because that's, that's the battles. As a matter of fact, I want to have you pray for folks here and then we're going to switch to communion. But also um, that's, that's with my relationship with Sheila. I call it Sheila time. I can tell when she's pushed to that limit and she's like you were talking about to get to that soul rest with her. The main thing with her is to be by herself. She doesn't need the phone blowing up. She doesn't need me. She doesn't need whatever. She needs it, isolation. And I'm talking about in a good way, and I'm not talking about isolation that leads to self-pity. I'm talking about isolation that leads to recharging. There is a difference, okay? And uh, we need that, but find that place, and that place is also a place you need to be in every 24 hours. Now, we're not suggesting you cut the grass like Richard every 24 hours, but whatever that is for you, I know some pastor friends of mine, even though I play golf and I enjoy it and I took lessons and all that, some pastor friends of mine are actually leaving their phones in their cars and they're purposely going to the golf course and they're making this, this declaration on the day they get to the golf course from the moment they arrive to the moment they leave. We will not talk about anything concerning the church or world events, yeah. nothing. And, when and my phone is in my car. And so, and of course his wife and family knows that he's at this course if there's an emergency, but he's purposing, and golf is about a four-hour game, to find that secret place. For Mr. Anderson, it may be fishing. For others, it may be like your, your precious Brian dad, your precious dad, Brian, he has the same name as I do, that to him to go along with that. To me, it's Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. They have, what, eight or 10 buildings over there. They're not all full. I lose myself in one of those buildings. Nobody knows where I am. You don't know where I am. I'm over there. I have permission of actually one of the donors that donated nearly a quarter of a, well, 300 million dollars to that to that facilities over there I have a letter that says that I can be in, in those facilities That's a pretty good ticket for me to find a quiet place And you have to find that and if you don't find that you'll never have rest And if you don't have rest, you'll get discouraged. And if you get discouraged to a place where you start talking like Elijah, then you're gonna get in depression. And when depression strikes, it's a serious thing because guess what's happened in depression? People have taken their lives. More pastors in the last five years have committed suicide than ever in the history of recorded ministry because they get to this place of isolation, depression, and discouragement, and they don't reach out. Every week, I take the time, every week, every week, to reach out to at least 10 to 15 pastors, sometimes 20 by text, all across this nation to let them know two things. Number one, you're not alone. And number two, if you need a friend, you got it in me. And so that, we need each other. That's an, that would be a good, good title of a song. <laughs> you have a friend in me. Seriously, pray and um, uh, just, just whatever's on your heart as far as people dealing with this, because you know, discouragement, darkness is from the pit of hell and it robs us of God's best. But as you said, God wants that soul rest for us. Yes, Shelby's right. Life is challenging. It's no fun sometimes, but I promise you this, Shelby and Dave, those three children you're raising will be raised in God's word and God's kingdom. And years from now, if Jesus tarries, they will be a blessing to you like my three are. And I promise you, it's all work I mean, right now, but it's all worthy of the reward. And your own dad would say this if he was standing here, and so I'm gonna say it in behalf of him because his name is Brian too. That Look at you, look at the reward that... Brian and your mother have and you standing here today preaching the gospel and ministering. It's all worth it. And to you with children, to you with grandchildren, to you with whatever the situation is, it's worth it. It's worth it to stand in faith. Even though you may not see the results, even though you may not see God's best right now, you may not see that marriage the way you want it to be, but I promise you it will be. Dave is going to make it. There's hope in Dave. And I, I know you love him and he loves you. And, you know, this is the pressure of a young couple at this time. But I promise you, life gets better as we stand stronger together. Satan wants to isolate us and separate us. And if he does that, then he defeats us. But if you never allow him to do that, I guarantee you, you will win every time. You'll win every time, I promise you. Because God is faithful. He is powerful. And he can be trusted. And I promise you, he knows how to send fire down in your life. Just this week alone, I was so discouraged at one point. I lost my ring and I tell you that recently I did, and you're about to pray here, I did not want to lose this ring again and I lost it. I've been very sensitive about keeping up with this ring. I've been wearing this ring almost 27 years and I don't want another one. I want this one, okay? And so I lost it. I went back, searched all my footsteps and I just then I got to a place I said Lord, I cast it over upon you. I'm going to be at rest. That ring is somewhere in the earth. I don't know where it is. If it fell out of my pocket, I need to know where it is and so I gave it to the Lord and I thought man it is not in anywhere I've looked and then all of a sudden I tell Sheila I go for a day and then Sheila calls me and she said I found the ring is in the most unusual place in our closet it's over on my side where all the clothes are way in this corner but it's in this wide open area and so that I could see it when I look down And you say, well, Pastor Brian, that's no big deal. You know what, it is a big deal to me because there's no way that I lost that ring in that closet way over in that corner. You say, Pastor Brian, an angel? I don't know, probably did, okay? All I know is God can be trusted, he can be faithful, and he is good. And that was supernatural. That was supernatural. In the the South, we call it finding a needle in a haystack. But you know what, God knows what this means to me. Yes, I could probably go buy another, but Jesse DePlanis bought this ring for me, and more importantly, this ring was on my finger when Sheila said those words to me of commitment and love, and so I want to wear this ring. Sometimes we lose rings, sometimes I understand that, but I'm telling you what God knows in the little how to be faithful. How much more will he in the big things be even more powerful? Pray for us, Shelby, please.
1: Well, Father God, Lord, we lift up every individual here, everyone watching online. As Pastor Ryan speaks on this and as I speak on this, Lord, it doesn't come from a place that we just talk about it flippantly, Lord, but it comes from real life experience, real things that we've been through, real trenches that we've been through. And I know that everyone listening has been through those same Mm -hmm. trenches in different valleys and different plains. But Lord, I thank you that you are faithful to them just as you have been faithful to us. (laughs) You are faithful to them their families just as you have been faithful to ours. You are are faithful to their children just as you have been faithful to our children. And so, Lord, right now, we just thank you for each individual. I thank you, Father God, that you show them how to get to a place of true rest, true soul rest, not just in their body, but in their spirit and in their mind, Lord, that they have a whole picture Mm -hmm. of rest in their soul in the name of of Jesus Jesus. and we just declare a light into those dark places Lord I believe in the power of your word I believe in the power of our words to speak life and death Lord we know that you said there is life and Mm -hmm. death in the power of our tongue so I just declare the word of God over them that there is light in the darkness in in every dark area any area of torment any area that is oppressive Lord we just speak light into that area of their lives Lord, I thank you that no weapon formed against them, their household, their children will prosper in the name of Jesus. Jesus. And everywhere that their foot touches, everywhere where they go, peace follows. follows. That your presence follows. That you fulfill good things in their life. That you fill their mind with peace. That you fill their mind with grace. Not because we deserve it. We don't. But because you're you're, good. Because you're a good (laughs) father. You are a good God. God. And so I thank you that you grant those things to them and their households liberally, that you just pour it out Mm. thick on them in the name of Jesus. Amen.
0: Amen. Let's give Shelby a hand. Thank you, Shelby. We appreciate you so much.